and welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back for the 20th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of October 7th, 2018, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week, and I am excited that you have come back and listened to this podcast yet again to prepare for the 20th Sunday after Pentecost. And I hope all of you are doing well. I know with me being up in Bemidji, we have definitely starting to feel that fall season that we're getting here in the northern United States. And I hope that you're enjoying the season. I hope that you're digging in and getting excited for the change that we continually just see outside of our window. It's kind of fun. It's really exciting. And before we get into this week's podcast, I want to talk a little bit about the response to last week's question. So last week's question on Twitter we had was, have you ever had a situation where you're trying to f- to do something for one thing but ended up finding a solution for another? Or have you ever found a solution for a problem that you weren't currently working on? And the best response that I can kind of say to this is kind of what I'm going through with being a youth minister and discovering that this is something that I'm trying to figure out and continually trying to get better at. I find that as I started this podcast, suddenly I found that I was kind of looking like that would be something that I could look at trying to do. So that'd be one answer for me. And as I'm trying to figure out everything that's going on, I often will find something for something else. Kind of think if you're sorting through stuff, I think it's one answer that you can definitely have. But another one that I would have, and it's something I'd highly recommend, if you haven't checked out the How I Built This podcast from NPR with Guy Raz, it's a fantastic podcast. It goes through entrepreneurs and their struggles to make some of these well-known brands that we know today. Home Depot, Kate Spade, the late, great Kate Spade. They've had Spanx on there. They had Lululemon. They've had... Dyson vacuum cleaners. But the one I'm going to recommend that kind of ties in the last week's subject is the Slack and Flickr podcast. And they go through and are talking with Stuart Butterfield. And he discusses and talks about how not once but twice was trying to work on an online video game before online video games were kind of a thing and ended up making Flickr, which became in the early 2000s, one of the biggest places to share photographs and definitely established a photography community. And Slack, which is kind of an upgraded email system, if you want to put it that way. If you haven't checked that out, I would I would say part of my shameless plug this week is check out the How I Built This podcast. It was a huge inspiration to me with doing this podcast. But my other shameless plug you know that's coming is Working Preacher. I enjoy Working Preacher. It gets me, since I'm not an ordained minister, listening to some great minds who know it a lot better than I do. They are seminary professors. There's lots of great commentaries and discussions that are also on Working Preacher. I'd highly recommend checking it out. So, as we get into this week, we have some really interesting, divisive texts. And I'm just going to go through the text this week and kind of just give an overall summary and then kind of dig into it because I really don't even want to tip my hand on where I'm going this week because they're kind of decisive. 
So the gospel text is out of Mark chapter 10, verses 2 through 16. And the Pharisees then are coming to Jesus and asking him about divorce. Is it lawful? Is it not? And Jesus comes back and is talking about it in a very decisive way. But I think we have to look toward the end of this text to kind of get really the gist of what Jesus is trying to talk about. And what we would look at here is looking starting kind of in verse 14. And midway through, let the little children come to me. Do not stop them For it is to such as these the kingdom of God belongs. And we're talking about this as you're thinking about divorce, which I luckily haven't had to go through. But you have this kind of decisiveness and Jesus turns it back to the little children. And I think there's a theme, if you think about that a little bit, we'll get into that comes out of that. The first reading is out of Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 24. This is where God is talking to the man or mankind, the single person. There is no gender at this point. And they realize that they need an equal, a partner, someone to work with. And so God brings all the animals in front of the man, like we talked about last week, and that he gives them all names, but finds that none of them are a suitable partner. And this is where then we get out of the rib of what we later know as Adam becomes the woman to be an equal, to be a partner, to go through life with. Therefore, a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife because they are one flesh. They are working together. They are together. The alternative first reading is from Job, which is in the first of four weeks in Job, chapter 1, verse 1, and then chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. We get a quick introduction on who Job is right away at the beginning, and we jump right into it that Satan and the Lord are talking, and again, Satan then is questioning God of how faithful really is this man, Job. God kind of says, go ahead, I believe him. And the real twist on the whole thing comes from coming in kind of verse 9. When Job's wife asks him, Do you still persist in your integrity? Curse God and die. But he, Job, said to her, You speak as a foolish woman would speak. Shall we receive the good at the hand of God and not receive the bad? In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. And I really don't see this as a male-female separation thing. Again, I think it's working through a hardship that this is the beginning of Job going through many, many, many trials throughout. And I think when we're looking at it in that concept, that we have to be able to have a partner who is going to work with us through these obstacles. But the major flip and switch that I kind of start to see is coming from the psalm and the second reading. So the psalm is Psalm 8, and we get this beautiful psalm that is one of the, as Ralph Jacobson talked about in Sermon Brainwaves podcast this last week, that when he's at these psalm conferences that they won't accept papers anymore on this because it's such a popular psalm. And it just talks about how beautiful the world is and that how 
wonderful that God does care about us, but everything that is around us. And I think there's a lot there that ties beautifully into the second reading, which is in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and chapter 2, verses 5 through 12. But I think the major focus that I kind of pick up from this is when you're looking at the second half of this reading out of Hebrews and discussing how Jesus, that we are just placed as humans, but I would see as his creation is just below himself, Jesus. And it's for that sake that we are sanctified through the Father and that Jesus then calls us brothers and sisters in Christ, which you'll find it's a quick summation of verses 10 through 12 at the end there of Hebrews. Great book, by the way, if you haven't dug into it, I'd highly recommend it. So how does this all work? And I would argue that what we're really talking about here is working together, partnerships, family units. When we're looking at what Jesus is talking about in Mark is the pain that goes happens when you have this separation between two people that used to be one. When we're having the marriage, it's becoming one flesh. And so the separation of the flesh is difficult. And so as I was thinking about this, I was trying to think of getting back into kind of a nature example because I was kind of craving it. But there was a couple examples that came to mind. But I think also there's a deeper and second meaning that we can pick up from this stuff that we can definitely see in Job. We can definitely see in our Old and New Testaments that isn't in the gospel. So if you remember back a few months ago, I talked about a birding experience that I had when I went and saw some great blue herons in a rookery and how I, you know, trudged through the forest and there was this beautiful lake in front of me and out and straight out in front of me, probably quarter mile, is this rookery. Beautiful photography I was able to get. It was glorious. And there were beaver and there were wobblers and there were sand hills and there were all these different things that I could, you know, take my attention away, but we still had the focus of the great blue herons there. Great blue herons are a fascinating bird, and I can attach some just basic information on great blue herons below. If you've never seen one, I'd highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite birds just because of the coloration. It's so beautiful, especially when you really get up close and actually start studying these birds. But as I was there and watching these birds, I think back to that and think about how dependent those birds young birds are on their parents. And in the world of great blue herons, both parents are responsible for taking care of their young. Both of them go fishing throughout the day to be able to regurgitate food for their young. So the young are in the nest, you know, practicing, getting their wing strength, interacting with their siblings, interacting with the other nests around, you know, slowly building to get stronger so that they can look to migrate in a few months, but are constantly keeping an eye out for their parents because they know if the parent comes around, it's feeding time. And it was amazing as I was watching this, you could figure out what bird's parents was flying near the nest before it ever landed because those birds were calling and calling and calling because they knew it was dinner time. We look again at this reading here out of the gospel And Jesus turns it back around on the little children and how dependent we are on that relationship, just like 
we have that relationship with him. At times, we may think we can walk on our own, but we can't. We need that parent to still provide guidance, still provide help, still provide the nourishment as we're growing, as we are continuing in this faith journey. But there's a second message here too. When we look at the Job reading, Job has to have faith. His wife is asking him, is this really worth doing? And it's a valid question because as we progress through Job, he is going to go through great amounts of strife for the faith. Lots of persecution, I guess if you can put it, but also just challenges, struggles, things that most of us would say, what the heck is God doing? And he continues to have faith. He has to believe. He has the trust. Taking it back to the great blue herons, those parents winter down in the Gulf of Mexico, Texas, southern part of the United States. They fly thousands of miles then. They come up to Wisconsin, Minnesota, and to Lakes Country. They have to trust that there is going to be trees there for them to nest in. They have to trust that there are going to be other blue herons around so that they can build a rookery. They have to trust that the land is going to be there for them. The fish are going to be there for them to be able to survive. There's a lot of trust. Nature in and of itself has the trust on itself. Trust other aspects of nature so that they can survive. And again, this kind of gets back into some of the discussions that we've had in the last few weeks of, are we trying to separate ourselves from nature? And in that, are we losing God? And that's a question I think that's really difficult to see at times. But if we stop, there's ways that we can see that. Because if we look at like Psalm 8, how often are we actually stopping to admire the creation around us and be able to get to the point where we are singing a song of praise about how majestic, how beautiful, how great thou art that God has made for us to be able to experience, be responsible for all his handiwork around us as the great artist that he is. And that we even then get the Hebrew reference that he then, in this artistry, makes something so close to himself that he calls it a brother and sister. I think that's something we don't think about a lot. And the other thing that we don't get in scripture that I would love to actually know, and there is no way of knowing, what would God call his own creation? If we're brothers and sisters in Christ, what is the rest of his creation to him? Is it his Mona Lisa or is it something more personal than that? I think there's a lot of times when we're looking at this, again, it's this relationships of building and working together to be able to see how nature is naturally already trying to do this. And why do we try bucking the trend so much? Why do we feel like we have to be so independent? Another example outside of great blue herons that I ran across, and I will attach the links below, but is penguins. And if you've watched that great movie, March of the Penguins, there's a lot of sacrifice and a lot of trust that goes on, even just with penguin parents. The emperor penguin and the king penguin, which are both in Antarctica, Instead of laying eggs and having a nest like many other penguin species, they'll have one egg. And that egg then will be held by the male for upwards of two months while the mother goes and eats her fill. 
He has to keep it warm. He has to protect it as they're in their group. She comes back. They have to then work hard to not stumble, to break that egg, all that time, all that investment that they've put. And it happens at times. But to be able to transfer that egg to the female so that the male can go and eat. And then he comes back because they have to both take care of their young. Because when their young are born, they don't have waterproof feathers. So they can't hunt. So they have to keep working together to provide for these young penguins to fend off predators, to figure out, you know, and teach them the way of being a penguin. I think there's a point when we're looking at this gospel text that the Pharisees yet again are missing the point of what Jesus is talking about. Jesus, I think, is turning it around right at the end here and really putting it back on us. We are the little children and that we are part of the kingdom of God, but that we still are dependent upon our parents. No matter how old we get, we still are dependent on the Trinity to carry us through day to day. There's so much in this world that tells us that we get to this age that we become independent, we become something, and that we suddenly need to be respected. And I know in my own life, I have fallen into that trap many a time and watch God continue to humble me to pretty much say, you don't have it figured out. You don't have any high stature. I have the high stature and give your praise to me. In this world, we're looking for people to come alongside to be partners. No one greater than anybody else. If you talk to leaders in your church who deal with kids, they'll say kids teach them as much as they teach kids. It's one of the beautiful things that is actually missed, I think, by much of the population because they don't have the opportunity to teach. It is an opportunity. It's such a great thing to be able to look through the eyes of a child and to try to understand the world the way they do. Because when God is telling us to have childlike faith, there's a reason for that. Because there is a dependence that they know that they need to have for their parents. Just like a baby penguin, a baby bird, a baby rhino, or a baby elephant. They know they need to be dependent on their parents because they can't make it on their own. Some species are born further developed than others. But still, in that development phase, even though that they're more developed, they still have to learn the ways of being a giraffe. They still have to learn the ways of being a cat or a dog. They still have to learn. Don't become blinded by the idea that we know it all. Faith is a journey that we continue to take. We still have much to learn. So the Twitter question that I think we'll have this week, and again, if you don't have Twitter, shoot me an email. But the Twitter question I want to throw out this week is, where do you see yourself needing to still depend on your father? And when I say that, be honest with yourself. Don't just give me the generic answer of, you know, my whole faith and depending on it. Think deep. What are some things that you're trying to take on yourself that you know that you need to be giving up to the Father to let him take control. I know for me, as much as I am trying to do what I'm trying to do as youth director, there's a point where I can't do it. There's a point where I just have to let God take control. There's gonna be nights when God is gonna have to use me as a speaking vessel to someone else. 
And that means that I have to put my pride at the door so that he can speak. But that's me. That's what I'm going through right now. I'd love to hear what are you going through with this? I've been excited with the people who are wanting to listen to this and are enjoying hearing about it. And it's causing me to behind the scenes having to figure out how to make this a better podcast for you. And I know in the next few weeks, I'm excited about some possibilities that are coming. So stay tuned. But I'm excited with where we're going. I'm excited about the community we're building. And I'm excited that you see this as an important topic. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.